It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And on today's episode, since we're, at least while I'm recording this and when I'll release it, gearing up for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, I figured it'd be good to bring you guys a story of some folks who have a lot to be thankful for and recognize what it means to actually lose everything. Um, I know that that sounds kind of mysterious and deserves a lot of unpacking, and and don't worry, in in today's episode, we're going to do just that. But uh, before I get into it, I wanted to start with a little story. Um, So, you know, I think I mentioned this because the number of the interviews for uh, our shows here on on the Goldshaw Farm podcast have come from when I was down in Virginia at the Homesteaders of America conference. Well, while I was down there, I also got to meet a lot of interesting folks. And two of the people I got to meet uh, were absolutely incredible. So I was chatting with them and asking them about, oh, where are you guys from? And, you know, which is kind of a basic question when you're at an event like that. And they were telling me, oh, we're, we're from uh, Paradise, California. And, you know, that name sort of sort of rung a bell for me and I had to think about it for a moment and, and realize, oh yeah, Paradise, wasn't that where there were a lot of those crazy wildfires last year? And they said, yes, no, that's that's definitely where we're from. And I said, gosh, wow, what was that like? Did you guys get affected by that at all? And with that one question, uh, these two folks broke down a story that blew my mind. These folks had their entire homestead and farm completely destroyed by this massive, I think it was like one of the largest fire events in United States history. And and so to hear that was just absolutely tragic and heartbreaking. But then to hear what they've been doing with their farm ever since and what's happened to their farm after the fires... That's even more incredible. And and so for today's episode, I, I, I really wanted to share with you guys the story of, of Craig and Jesse Olson of uh, Mother Utter Farm out in California. Uh, Craig and Jesse have traditionally done uh, goats and geese and ducks and a couple of other things. Um, just a lot of different, you know, basically a, a standard multi-species livestock uh, farm. But, you know, I initially had bonded with, with Craig and Jesse talking about geese because... There's not a lot of times when you're out and about and you meet people who are passionate about geese. And so when you find geese people, like you buddy up real quick. <laughs> and, and so that was actually how I originally got to starting with uh, talking with them. But as I heard their story, I felt like it was something I needed to share with you guys. And also, as I heard their story, it, it got my mind racing in terms of, you know, what would I do if something like this happened to me? And it also made me very incredibly thankful that I haven't had to endure something like this. And and so I figured, given this is a week of, of gratitude and, and offering up Thanksgiving, um, I felt like this was a great story to share. So without more babble, here is t- uh, today's interview, and it, it's with Craig and Jesse Olson of Mutter Utter Farm. 
got up late um, because uh, we had an appointment in Sacramento and for one of our boys who had developed epilepsy and we adopted all our kids so we don't know their history uh, and um, the kids went out to water the animals and uh, they came into the house not 30 seconds later uh, <clears throat> shouting fire fire and one of our kids is uh, one of our kids is uh, somewhat of a, a dramatic kid and I'm going okay it's probably a little brush fire no big deal trying to calm him down and I walk outside and say okay where's the fire and he points at our driveway now we have a curved driveway driveway we lived on top of the uh, kind of like on top of a hill so it curved up from below us and I looked down to where it was and the uh, this flame was just shooting across our driveway I mean not quite as fast as a flamethrower but it was racing up our driveway and I was like okay that's a problem go go get mom she's getting stuff prepped for the trip um, I need to double check something I turn around and not maybe a hundred feet away from our house maybe 150 at most was about a 50-foot wall of smoke and about 20 feet of flames above that so they run in and I head over to check the propane tank make sure that it's cleared and there's no way that fire can get to it yeah uh, so basically we were surrounded by flames um, the kids came running up the stairs mom there's fire and I said where and they said everywhere and I was still in my pajamas putting all the paperwork together so I came running down the stairs threw my cowboy boots on came outside and they were right it was everywhere it was racing just zipping down our split rail fence so, so, so fast. this isn't just like a small brush fire this is the wind was this, whipping yeah, this is so. the campfire of, Par of Paradise, California, and the one the one that destroyed Paradise. Yeah, so forty thousand people were displaced in the fire, and um, eighty seven people died. Some, somewhere around, massive, like yeah. massive Four, fire. Fourteen thousand buildings destroyed, if not yeah. more. Um, and it is the most number is the number one most deadly fire in California history, and the sixth most deadly fire in U.S. history. Um, so we're number one, yay. Yay. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, beyond that, though, I mean, what happened to your farm? Uh, well, we, we had to drive out of there pretty quick. Yep. Um, we had to we, leave the animals. We had to leave the animals because our trailer was trailers were on fire. And uh, there was no water to fight the fire. Uh, the power was out. The generator that we'd put next to the water the night before in case of fire, because we knew that there was a possibility with the high winds, was already burned so there was no way to and it was burning there was no way to get to it to start it up so there was no way to fight the fire with water um no way to save the animals no way to save the animals with the with the tools we had on hand mm -hmm. so uh i took the kids and we cut the fences and the animals hadn't been fed yet obviously the kids went out to go water them and saw the fire um, we cut the fences and we stripped away the fence for the goats um, and uh, we took buckets and we called to them, ran over to the goat area and dumped the food in the goat area and all the animals followed us and we just hoped that they were distracted there long enough that the fire would pass them by. Grabbed our dogs and the two cats that we could find and jumped in the cars and drove out of there down the uh, driveway while it was in flames. Now uh, my part, because that's what uh, Jess and the kids were doing, 
I had run over to check the propane tank and realized that a, a fire was about 20 feet away from the tank itself. And so I grabbed the hose and used what little little water was left, to, uh, kind of like through gravity feeding. We didn't leave him behind. No. This is before we <laughs> this, drove yes. off. Uh, to put out, like, to put, uh, soak the area around the propane tank. And then I grabbed a uh, rake and started raking stuff away from it. You know, just like normal leaves and uh, stuff that had fallen the night before. Just pulling everything away from it as possible. And then uh, Jess and the kids come running out and Jess says, Okay, I have the dogs. Uh, I need your help with the cat. And we went in, searched, and we couldn't find one of our cats. Uh, to this day is still missing. And so we grabbed what we could. Um, we packed up and what we could means um, our go bags and just grabbed her computer and that was it. Uh, and we focused on the animals, our pets. And we put them in the truck. Uh, I jumped in the van and I led the way down our driveway. Probably, what would you think? Uh, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we had from the time we this fire was spotted to the time we drove down the driveway it was maybe 15 minutes yep and um, our house uh from what our neighbors told us our house uh was engulfed in fire about 10 minutes after that so that's how fast the uh the fire was running people uh were saying that the fire because of how high winds uh 70 to 100 miles an hour winds uh, the fire was spreading at about 50 football fields a minute. Well, there's no cell reception where we live. There's no way to call and warn mm -hmm. other neighbors. So, and you can't go knocking door to door. Everybody's on like 10 acre plots out there. No, so, so it's just what you see is uh, you save yourself type of you thing. You honk your horn all the way down the road, hoping somebody hears it and gets out of bed. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do. And, yep. the, and the, and the uh, police scanners weren't even talking about a fire in Concow where no. we were. They were, they still, were still talking about it being in Polga. Yeah. Which is, so, so you guys leave. How long are you gone for? Well, well you, after, before we actually are allowed back on the land uh, was a month and a half. Yeah. And when we got back there, we found one chicken. Yep. Um, but <laughs> somebody had come up before and rescued all of our birds and, and our goats so, so what um, types of birds and goats yeah, I mean, like describe those for folks so uh, we still have all of our goats all of our donkeys our sheep um our most of our chickens survived um we lost about a dozen chickens um and one turkey all of our geese survived um we lost a, a handful of ducks and we lost two pigs so uh, we had the largest animal rescue in uh, the county and they all ended up in, at the fairgrounds waiting for us. So and they, and they, they were they were shocked when we walked in and said, "Okay, we're here to claim our animals." And they're like, "Okay, what's your address?" And we gave the address. Which animals? <laughs> yeah, which animals are yours? And then they just started flipping page, going, "Okay, that's this address. That's it. How many animals did we pull in?" And once, over a hundred. So, somebody was like, "Yeah, I think over a hundred birds, just of the birds." And it's like, yeah. "Wow, okay." And so, was, yeah, the up, first, up the until that point, we had no clue how many were alive. The person who took them in was a friend of ours, and she volunteers for the North Valley Animal Disaster Group. And she she messaged us and told us that they arrived. And our neighbor, who saved her place at the bottom of the hill, messaged us and told us when they picked them up. So we knew they were there. <laughs> so that was like the silver lining, though. Yes. yes. But, but your your entire farm and homestead was gone. Yeah, everything yeah. else is gone. The fences were gone. Yeah. 
the outbuildings are gone, the garage is gone, the um, the barn, the tack yeah. room, the house. Our, yeah, our two-story house became a two-foot ash pile. Yeah. So, and, so now this is, I'm just, as I'm trying to get my head around this, right? This is a logistic challenge. So you've got all these animals. Yep. But you have no housing, fencing, anything to contain these right. animals. Yes. Right. What do you do once you claim them? Well, this is the hard part for us because once we claimed that they were ours, we had a short amount of time in which to take them out of there. And they didn't tell us that because it switched hands from the um, North Valley Animal Disaster Group to Animal Control. And the day Animal Control took over, they wanted us to come and get the animals. That also happened to be the day that we were flying out to San Diego to go one way, to go get an RV and, and come home and have a place to move back onto the land in. Uh, so we went down to talk to them and we told them if they could get transportation, and we would pay for the transportation, but... Um, we had three farms, friends of ours, throughout the area who were willing to take the animals on to their properties. So. This, this took a lot of work between us and the friends, figuring out who would take what animal. And it's like, okay, we have ducks, chickens, uh, geese, turkeys, and on and on, listing them all. And some of our friends would say, well, I can take the ducks and the geese. Another friend said, well, if you take the ducks and the geese, I'll take the chickens, the goats, and the donkeys. And the third person said, well, I can take whatever else is left over. And these, when we say they're our friends, they are they are definitely our friends. We count them very close. They kept them for 11 months. They kept them for <laughs> all our animals for 11 months. But, I mean, these farms are not, it's not like they're your not neighbor. They're close. They're yeah. two hours apart from each other. So that's a six-hour drive if we wanted to visit all of our animals in one day. Yeah. yeah. So now today, like, where do you guys stand? Well, a little bit of one place and a little bit of another. On the weekends, we are in Chico working on renovating the house we're living in because that was um, a house my sister was living in and she had just moved out a few months before the fire. So we were in the middle of renovating it when the fire broke out. So we consider ourselves really Extremely lucky. Extremely lucky. Because a lot of other people weren't so lucky to find a place nearby. Uh, a lot of folks were living in tents in the Walmart parking lot. Uh, some people were living in RVs if they could find them, which is one of the reasons why we flew one way to San Diego because the cost of RVs was outrageous after yeah. the fire. It doubled or tripled the average price and they just because the yeah. demand was there. And they weren't in good condition. No. And um, some people had to move in with family or friends and they're living in people's living rooms um, or in tents in the backyard. Uh, other folks were living out of their cars and still are right now yeah. 11 months to today dur through during the summers when it was 104 degree weather elderly people and women and children living in cars in 104 degree weather um, it there's a lot of folks tent camping on their properties um, and um, it's not a good situation so we consider ourselves among the lucky folks who had a place to go, especially nearby, so we could receive services. A lot of folks, their insurance companies shuttled them three to four hours away. Um, and that was the closest they could get them. It's a college town, yeah. and there's not a lot of housing available. So, yeah. But, yeah, when the fire happened, uh, just to give you an idea, the entire county of Butte, or Butte County, had no rooms available. All the hotels were booked up. Uh, all of the camp spots were booked up. People were staying as far away as Sacramento, which is a two-hour drive, 
just to find a hotel uh, to see their kid graduate in uh, at the in CSU Chico. So they would, I mean, at least probably two counties in either direction were completely full because mm-hmm. the town of Paradise, forty thousand people were displaced all at once. It was it was very strange having your whole community not just torn apart and destroyed but the the community is the people and the people were scattered just scattered at first before fema and social security arrived or not social security fema and um uh salvation army and red cross and all those other organizations banded together for several weeks before it was declared a, a disaster uh the whole community really banded together and that was phenomenal. It actually happened in a parking lot in our community. They set up rows and rows of clothing, clothing and uh, food, and all your needs were taken care of. It was just yeah, it, a, an amazing yeah. experience. Yeah, it all and it all started from one food truck saying, "Oh my gosh, guys, I can't believe this happened to you. We're coming up to your to your area. We're going to park in this parking lot." from this time to this time for how many ever weeks it needs and we're going to give out uh, hot dogs um, and hamburger hot dogs hamburgers and fries no yep. cost just come and ask and we'll give it to you then other food trucks came and yep. people showed up in the in their pickup trucks and just started cooking food off their barbecue grills and tailgated it other people showed up with clothes out of the back of their truck and then pretty soon it was like a little village in this mm-hmm. parking lot and um, people showed up with their RVs and their tents, and there was like a whole village going on there, which was great. But there was also some sanitary concerns with the rains coming. Mm-hmm. And then the rains came, and everybody was ushered off. But the rains came, and then we had floods. So, like, just <laughs> so a couple from fires weeks, to floods. A couple weeks after the fires ended, uh, the rain just started, and it poured and poured and poured. And it really helped with the fire. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it helped with the fire, but at the same time, and any all those clothes that were still laid out that nobody had claimed just went moldy, like instantly. Yeah. But so so now is let's let's think yeah. about the future. <laughs> positive, positive. <laughs> all right, you can delete that. No, part. no, no, no. It's, 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 no, but look. <laughs> Massive and dramatic, completely yeah. understand it. Mm-hmm. But now, as you guys are, are looking forward mm-hmm. and, and starting to rebuild, yes, like, what's the process like for, for rebuilding? Like, what are you doing to try to set up your farm again? Well, we're, we're already on the land. Yep, we're so. we moved on the land uh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, we're living on our, our out of our, our our RV that we purchased in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it some- we had to get permits for that. Uh, just to live on our own land uh, because Butte County had uh, just finished the cleanup. So uh, we got permitted, we got, got on our land. Um, some friends of ours came and said, hey, we're willing to build structures to help bring your animals back. We had a lot of volunteers come up and mm-hmm. um, some really amazing people uh, volunteered their time and and their um, uh, equipment. equipment, as well as uh, a lot of resources. Yeah. And we've got a garden already mm-hmm. going with plants in the ground, <laughs> uh, with really amazing soil and compost in mm-hmm. it. And we've got a structure for some of the animals. And yep. 
um, a spring was found on our property, so we now have a little pond for our, our for ducks, our ducks and, and, our and our geese. geese. We didn't even know we had a spring on the property. That was a heavily shrubbed area before the fire, and, and mm-hmm. you couldn't see anything in that uh, spot. Yeah. Oh. But now, as you as you look out, so like do a thought exercise with me as you're thinking yeah, about sure. say five years from now. Mm-hmm. What would you hope to have your farm be about? What mm-hmm. would you hope your farm business to be about? And what would you hope well, to have? <laughs> uh, well, there's multiple answers to that. I'll start answering one, and I know uh, Jess has a completely different an- answer. Uh, because of the fire, it's kind of shifted our uh, focus. And uh, I am w- hoping that uh, our channel and our business will be more focused on uh, showing others where uh, what they can uh, what they can overcome. I mean, we overcame this fire. We're showing uh, the rebuilding process, getting the animals back on the land, living our life. Yes, we had nothing. I mean, it was barren once the cleanup finished, and we're just bringing it back, structure by structure, pen by pen, and showing people whether it's worse than us or whether it's less than us. We're doing it, and so can you. Right. We hope that will show, give people a lot of hope even when they have farm failures or if they're starting to rebuild. But it's not all about YouTube and, no. um, and all of our social media. Um, we, as a result of the fire, um, we learned that a lot of people are eager to have goats on their land to help with uh, cutting down the, the, the fire fuel. So our goats are helping people and the schools in the area cut down on their brush and they have become firefighting goats. Um, They are landscapers now, goatscapers. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so we've started that business and uh, we've got our first few gigs coming up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one business there. Um, We're also becoming a waterfowl hatchery next year. We're getting NPIP certified so we can sell uh, eggs that are hatching eggs from uh, some of our rare breeds that we that we raise. Mm-hmm. We're currently ra- raising four rare breeds of chicken, um, but we will be also selling uh, rare breeds of duck and goose that are from the uh, 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 a list of natural uh, the conservancy list of livestock. Um, and where we will eventually get to the point where we're, we're selling six different rare breeds of duck and rare breeds of goose. Um, and we're also going to be selling quail and duck mm-hmm. eggs at the um, farmer's market. Farmer's market. Uh, we need to get egg handler's permit for that. And we, then we're going to be moving up to the um, poultry handler certificate so that we can uh, uh, sell quail meat and uh, rabbit meat at the farmer's market. Those are niches that are not currently tapped at our local farmer's market. So that means that we have to have you know proper safety protocols in place. We have to have a structure for processing poultry that meets California's guidelines. Uh, we have to have a little hatchery building to, that house uh, the uh, chicks. the chicks and also to house the eggs uh, in between shipments and um, you know there's a lot of other little yeah. th- things that have to be done besides yeah. the building of the house which luckily our insurance is going to be covering that and it's going to be moving to a different placement on the property where it'll be more fire safe so we're so we're all of the stuff we're doing is all with an eye towards fire safety correct, also yeah. so that's remarkable yeah. so. 
What What are you most excited about for the future? The quail. <laughs> <laughs> You're excited about the quail. I'm now? excited about the quail. Like you yep. weren't so excited about the quail before. No. What got you excited about the quail? Oh, he uh, asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, just talking with. Um, talking, talking with the, the, yeah. What's his name? Tim. Uh, is it Tim? I think it's, it's Tim. Uh, homestead, homestead Evolution. Homestead Evolution. Yeah. yeah. Talking with the Homestead Evolution, he kind of got me into the. Uh, quail bug and going hey this is really good and uh, a real simple start and I can actually see where we're gonna go with that so that's mm-hmm. what I'm really excited about oh good well I'm glad somebody <laughs> talked you into it finally <laughs> <laughs> the years and years of hey let's try quail no <laughs> um, I'm just really I I'm just really excited to be back on the land and you know what I hate to say that I'm excited about starting over and having it all fresh because so many people passed during the fire that really, you know, it, it makes me feel a little feel guilty. But I've always, when I, when I dreamt of homesteading since I was a little girl, I always imagined a bare piece of land and building it all from scratch the way I wanted it. And, and now you get your chance. Yeah, but it's, it's There's a bit in of such a, st- a negative, sad way, you know, so... You know, I like that we are getting to do it the way we want it, but it makes me really sad that it happened in this way, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, you know. And, but uh, I also I know that our kids are going to have much more buy-in on what we're doing because they got to see the house built. Mm-hmm. And they've been moved around so many times in their lives. They had five or six homes before they came to us. Some were pre-adoptive parents that failed. And... Um, our previous home that was supposed to be their forever home where they would always feel safe and I think that if it hadn't burned down coming back to it they would always feel unsafe yeah if it had just been smoke damaged they'd always have a memory of the fire yeah so I think rebuilding a home that we all agreed on the floor plan together and them having a hand in it and choosing their rooms, choosing their colors, choosing their furniture. And watching and it actually come together. Watching it, Being yeah. constructed. Watching it all come together. Watching every little building come together. Being a part of building it by hand, I think will really change how they feel about the home. And it'll really feel more like home than it ever has before. And that excites me because I love my kids and I want them to feel good about this whole experience. So I hope you guys found that um, inspirational and you found that story as incredible as I personally find it. Um, you know, Craig and Jesse are just such nice people and such interesting people. Um, my heart really goes out to them in in terms of what they've had to endure over the last, I don't know, I guess it's been about 14, 15 months now. And, uh, I just, I am blown away by the resilience that they show and their willingness to rebuild and the tremendous amount of progress that they've actually been able to make in their rebuilding process. Um, they've been actually starting to document what they're doing. And if you want to look for them on the internet, 
Um, I'll leave some links down in the show notes, but uh, just look for Mother Utter Farm, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube or other places, uh, Facebook, you know, but it's just incredible to see the progress that they're making and, and frankly, the commitment to this lifestyle and what they're doing and, and how they're pushing forward. Because I got to admit, you guys, if something like that ever happened to me, <laughs> I don't know if I'd have that strength to, to kind of persevere. Um, it, but, you know, hearing hearing their story, it, it, it does kind of warm your heart and, and it's just impressive. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't throw enough superlatives onto it. Um, that's, that's really it though. That's, that's all I've got for today's episode. I hope you guys, if you're traveling right now are being safe, uh, and have safe travels. I hope you guys get to spend time with your loved ones and family and friends over the Thanksgiving holiday. And, um, you're able to take the time to celebrate traditions and and cherish each other and being in each other's company. I think it's just really important to do that when you have that opportunity, because you never know when something uh, catastrophic could happen um, and, and change your circumstance. Uh, so, so really, have a happy Thanksgiving. Or if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, I know it's always awkward. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm going to be here on the farm. Uh, Allison and I are, are spending our Thanksgiving here on the farm. Um Actually, uh, I'm really excited. You know, Thanksgiving is going to be great, and we're going to be, you know, spending time with friends and family. But I'm actually really excited for uh, Black Friday. And the reason I'm so excited for Black Friday is not your standard uh, dumb American commercialism reason for being excited uh, for Black Friday. It's uh, it's actually because. I'm going with a friend to go pick up our livestock guardian puppy. Um, I'm really excited. We're going to be bringing him home on uh, that Friday. I got a couple hours drive over to Maine to where the breeder is and and to their farm to to bring the dog home. But I'm so excited. It's going to be a cool addition to the farm. I will be documenting it all within our YouTube channel. So be sure to check us out at Goldshaw Farm on YouTube. And uh, again, if you're enjoying these podcasts, just please keep sharing. Please keep reviewing. Uh, please keep rating us highly. Um, wherever you're listening to your podcasts, it, it makes a difference. And you know, when people give us good reviews and ratings on um, Apple iTunes, it doesn't necessarily transfer over to Stitcher or Spotify or Google Play. And so, kind of the more outlets that you can promote us, the better. And, and I really appreciate that support. And with that, I will close out today's episode by asking our good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play the theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm, it falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars, the love is here at Goldshaw Farms, a city life yet had its charms. the stars I fall asleep inside its arms the love is here at Goldshop Farms the love is here at Goldshop Farms